Wow. That's all I can say about what happened today, especially for the Cleveland Indians, is wow. Today's trade by the Cleveland Indians, well, not only stacked them up for this year, but also for the upcoming years and opened up territories that a lot of people don't want to see come. But nonetheless, the day may be here when Francisco Lindor will no longer be a Cleveland Indian. Good evening, everyone. I'm Dave Mitchell. Glad to have you along tonight on UltimateSportsTalk.com for the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Going to be flying solo here this evening as Blake Watson is, as we like to say in the business, on assignment tonight. So because this afternoon at 4 o'clock was the trade deadline, I'm going to tell you what I think about what the Reds and the Indians did today. And let's start out with the first place Cleveland Indians. Boy, what a deal they made today. Everybody knew Mike Clevenger was on the trading block. Everybody in the world knew it. There were rumors this weekend that the Indians were asking for just too much for Mike Clevenger, that they were just asking for the world to get rid of the right-hander that had given the Indians so many good starts over the last three years, had turned into one of their aces and was the next to the opening day pitcher and Shane Bieber. He started game two, but what happened in Chicago was probably just a little bit too much for the Cleveland Indian brass. And that, along with the emergence of Aaron Savali and along with some others that they've got coming up here in their pitching staff, well, that made Clevenger easy to deal. And today the Indians did it. They pulled the trigger on a trade with the San Diego Padres. Mike Clevenger went to the Padres to give them some stability in their starting staff. Greg Allen, an outfielder whom, had he not been traded today, folks, I would have been screaming that the Indians need to get rid of this guy. I am so glad Greg Allen is gone and off of the Indians roster. You cannot believe how happy I am that Greg Allen is gone. And the Indians will also give up that infamous player to be named later. Nobody knows quite who that is, but that's who they gave up, and they got a boatload in return. Players that can help now and will help in the future, and we'll get into that. Right now they have gotten a couple of relievers, a right-hander in Cal Quantrill, and a left-hander who was the ninth-ranked prospect in the Padres organization, Joey Cantillo. They've also got a pair of shortstops. The number seven-ranked prospect in the Padres organization, shortstop Gabriel Arias, and the 11th-ranked prospect in the Padres organization, Owen Miller. They also got a couple of players that can help them out now along with Quantrill. They got a catcher in Austin Hedges, which, believe me, the Indians need a backup catcher. They had Bo Naylor and Sandy Leone, and neither one of them could hit their weight, and their weight was over 200, so they, they couldn't even hit their weight. Austin Hedges, he's a good pickup for the Indians. And Josh Naylor. Now, Naylor is a left fielder by trade. He can play both corner spots. But he's going to come into this ball team, and he's going to play in the left field position, probably bat sixth for the Indians, as they will put him behind Framil Reyes, which is where Naylor hit a lot last year behind Reyes in the Padres lineup. What did the Indians get? Well, they got 
Quantrill, a reliever, which is somebody that they needed. Now, in 10 games this year for the Padres, Quantrill was 2-0. and He had a 2.60 ERA, but here's what's impressive. In 17 and a third innings, Quantrill had 18 strikeouts for the Padres. Then you've got the two players that position players that are coming in for the Indians. And Josh Naylor, he actually is Bo Naylor's brother. Now, Bo Naylor is the backup catcher for the Indians. Now, Naylor comes into this one. He is the younger brother of Bo. He's 23 years old. Here's a stat that's kind of discerning, though. He's 23, 5 feet 11 inches tall, and 250 pounds. So he's not somebody that you're going to have roaming around center field. But depending upon how his glove is, you've got him in left or right field. Now, in 18 games for the Padres this year, Naylor hit one homer, had four RBIs. But here's another impressive stat. He struck out only four times in the Padres lineup this year. Outstanding. Austin Hedges, backup catcher. He'll be the backup to Roberto Perez. He had three homers, six RBIs in 29 games. But the problem is he batted just 158. Still, he had two more home runs than Leon and Naylor did as the catchers for the Indians. And four more RBIs than Naylor and Leon had this year. But the batting average was pretty close to what Leon and Naylor were hitting for the Indians. So Hedges will be the backup catcher for the Indians. But the key player in this deal for the Indians, and this is the one that they wanted, was not only Joey Cantillo, who is a left-handed reliever, but also... Gabriel Arias. Now, Arias is a shortstop, obviously from the Dominican Republic. He is a guy that the Indians have held in high esteem for quite some time now, and Arias is looked upon as being the replacement for Francisco Lindor if and when Lindor decides to leave the Indians. Now, Lindor is still tied up in a contract through next season, but there's been a lot of rumors, as you know, going around as far as the Indians are concerned, getting rid of Lindor prior to him walking away from the team as a free agent. They've tried to negotiate with him, but have been unable to come upon any type of a deal, and Lindor appears to be gone from the Indians, if not before next season, sometime during next season, and that would open the door for Gabriel Arias to move into the shortstop position. Now, also, Cesar Hernandez, he just signed a one-year contract with the Indians to play second base. Well, Owen Miller is a second baseman. So what the Indians got in this deal could be their keystone combination for the next few years. Owen Miller at second base and Arias at shortstop. But then you build that around for Emil Reyes. And, of course, you've got Naylor. Uh, you've also got... Anybody you want, basically, in center field, but you've got Jose Ramirez. And that brings up the question, Mark, what goes on with Carlos Santana? Well, Carlos Santana, you remember, he left the Indians three years ago and went to Philadelphia, signed that $20 million a year contract, and then was traded to Seattle and then came to the Cleveland Indians. Well, he's got an option, a team option this year at the end of the season. It's very conceivable that the Indians could let Carlos Santana go and move Reyes to first base or 
Naylor to first base and move them out of that DH spot. Or you could have Naylor in the DH spot and Reyes at first base. A lot of things could happen for the Indians. Of course, you got Bobby Bradley down in the minor leagues, too. So a lot of things could happen for the Indians, but this one right here was the deal that they decided to take. The Yankees came knocking at the Indians' door for Clevenger. The White Sox came calling on the Indians for Clevenger. That one was probably the deal that the Indians were not going to make. You're not going to strengthen the White Sox, the team that the Indians right now are tied for first place with at 21-13 and in the American League Central Division. You're not going to deal that type of a pitcher to the White Sox and give them an advantage. Besides, who are the White Sox going to give you that is going to help this year? That Clevenger, you you give the White Sox the advantage right there with Clevenger uh, moving into their starting rotation. What the Indians did here was get a boatload of prospects and a couple of guys that can help them out this year. And... They get Clevenger not only out of the division and out of the league, but the only time that they'll face San Diego down the road is if those two teams face off in the World Series. And who knows what could happen then. San Diego, boy, I'll tell you what. Over the past week, did they do some things? I mean, that blockbuster deal that they had over the weekend with the Seattle Mariners and what they brought in and of course, the deal that they made with Tampa Bay, just just a bunch of things that San Diego did. They gave up a lot of prospects, but they're going for it, folks. They're not going to sit back. They want to win the World Series, and they're, basically, you look at it, their window of opportunity to basically take the World Series is about three years. So they're going to look at that and say, hey, this is what we are going to do, and this is how... We are going to do it. The Reds right now, as they come into tonight's game, they are in fourth place, 15-19 and 19 on the year. You talk about a disappointing season so far for the Reds. They're five games behind of the Cubs in that National League Central Division. They are home tonight for the first of three games against the Cardinals, whom the Indians just took two out of three in St. Louis. They're going to be off Thursday, and then they play four games with the Pirates over the weekend. They've got a doubleheader on Friday night and single games on Saturday and Sunday. Now, what did the Reds do? Well, nothing spectacular. They did not beat the Bushes for a lot of trades. They decided they were not going to be a seller in the Central Division. They decided that they were just going to try to bolstered their bullpen, and they did that somewhat as they acquired today from the Diamondbacks right-handed reliever Archie Bradley and Cash for utility infielder Josh Van Meter and outfielder Stuart Fairchild. Now, Bradley, as we said, right-handed reliever. The Reds could use any type of relief help right now, any type. Lorenzen has fallen off the deep end. Rossiel Iglesias has not done the job this year. Robert Stevenson, I thought two years ago the Reds should have given up on him, and that shows you just how desperate they are in the bullpen to bring in Robert Stevenson. The only person that has been consistent out of the Reds' bullpen this year has been Amir Garrett, and Garrett has been outstanding for the Reds this year. But Bradley, in 10.2 innings of work so far this year for the Diamondbacks, has given up... 
13 hits, 5 runs on the season. He's got 6 saves and 12 strikeouts, but his ERA is ballooned to 4.22. But still, Bradley will be an improvement over most of the teams, or I should say most of the players, that are coming out of David Bell's bullpen for the Cincinnati Reds. And I'll tell you, when your bullpen is just atrocious like the Reds' bullpen is right now, well, you cannot blame David Bell. Do I think David Bell was the right choice as manager of the Reds when he was hired last year? No. I didn't think David Bell was the guy that was going to lead this team to the promised land. I'm a big fan of Buddy, his father. David Bell was a good Major League Baseball player, not outstanding, but still good. I'm not quite sure where they thought he was going to be an outstanding manager, what turned them on, what really gave them that it factor that Bell had. But do I think he should be fired over what has happened this year? Not yet. I think Blake put it uh, very, very succinctly last year, that, or last week I should say, that if Barry Larkin or somebody like that was on the bench for the uh, Reds, then maybe you could see David Bell go bye-bye. Right now, you don't have that happening. And, you know, you see a lot of, a lot of people on Facebook, a lot of people on Facebook are clamoring for David Bell's job. And I just don't see it as being something that the Reds are willing to do at this particular moment. They're five games behind the Cubs in that National League Central Division. Now, yeah, they've got a lot of catching up to do. They've got to get their act together. Joey Votto has been one of the players that has really fallen off the deep end for the Reds. As a matter of fact, David Bell decided to bench him for three games. It was something that Joey accepted, but did not like, of course, when you look at how he has been for the Reds. I, I have a tough time figuring out why Joey Bell was the one that was benched and Suarez was allowed to continue to play. Both of them have high high contracts. Both of them are tied up with the Reds for a long period of time. But yet they sat Votto and let Suarez continue to play. That on top of the fact that now Joey Votto is coming back, and tonight he's going to be hitting in the leadoff position. Uh, he's gone from batting third three years ago and a potential MVP award winner to batting second a year ago and this year, and now he's going to be the leadoff hitter for the Reds. The Cubs lead that Central Division with a record of 20-14. and 14. St. Louis, boy, do they have a bucket of games to make up. They've got nine games, seven double headers coming up for the Cardinals over the next three weeks. They're 12 and 13, three and a half games behind the Cubs. Milwaukee, 15 and 18, they're four and a half games behind the Cubs. And then come the Reds, 15 and 19, five games out, and Pittsburgh, eight and a half out with a record of 10 and 21. So that's where the Reds sit. And as we said, the Reds start a Three games set with the St. Louis Cardinals tonight at Great American Ballpark. The Reds also made another deal this afternoon. This one snuck in just under the deadline wire. They picked up outfielder Brian Goodwin 
from the Angels, Ken Rosenthal reports from the Athletics. The Angels officially announced the deal, revealing that in return they're getting Packy Naughton from the Reds. He's a left-handed pitcher, as well as either Cash or a player to be named later. So those are the two deals that the Indian, or I should say that the Reds did today, and not bad deals, but don't expect Brian Goodwin to come in and really make an impact on the Reds' ball club. He's going to come in, probably play left field, and he'll take probably some playing time away from Oto, and you're also probably going to see him when Senzel comes back. Uh, Senzel will play center. Jesse Winker, I mean, how do you set this guy? The way that he's been hitting over 300, he's just been pounding the baseball. You can't sit him. But he's a defensive liability, so you've got to consistently play him at the DH position. And then, of course, you got Castellanos at the right field position. So, like I said, you're not going to expect a lot out of Brian Goodwin. Brian Goodwin is a guy that's a journeyman ball player. Don't expect much out of him in the left field spot for the Reds. But he's a guy that the, the Reds are going to continue on with, and they picked up earlier this afternoon. Now, the... Reds also made a deal last week, and that was Cody Reed. They finally got rid of Cody Reed. That trade for Johnny Cueto, boy, did that thing blow up in the Reds' faces. You know, four years ago, they got rid of their ace on the squad in Johnny Cueto. And I'll tell you what, that deal just turned out to be a absolute nightmare for the Reds when they traded him to Kansas City. And what they got back was a bunch of nothing. I mean, they they traded him to Kansas City back in 2015 for Brandon Finnegan and then minor leaguers John Lamb and Cody Reed. And none of them are on the team anymore. I mean, it, it is amazing what they got back from Kansas City for Johnny Cueto. But then Cueto turned right around, left Kansas City, uh, did win a World Series with them, but ended up going to San Francisco, and he's the ace on the Giants staff right now. Cueto still toiling in Major League Baseball. Boy, what a – I mean, here here's when you look at this. You know, just looking at what happened in that deal with Johnny Cueto – it's amazing because Brandon Finnegan, he's the lone guy left on the Reds roster. Now, at, following Reed's dismissal, Finnegan in 14 appearances in 2015 and a 3-0 record out of the pen, but he had the highest ceiling and he was the one that the Reds really wanted, but he was designated for assignment back in 2019, cleared waivers, and the lefty was in double-A last year, carried a 6.6 ERA in 13 appearances, and he has not seen the major leagues since 2018. Now, he is a part of the Reds' 60-man player pool, but there is no way he's going to see any time in the Reds' uniform this year. John Lamb, he was a fifth-round pick by the Royals in 2008. He would not make his debut until August of 2015 for the Reds. He went two and twelve and twenty-four starts with Cincinnati and fifteen and sixteen. 
His ERA was atrocious. He's not pitched in the majors since June of 2018. He's with the was with the Angels at that point in time. And that was his big league career right there. And then Cody Reed, what a disaster he was. It just seemed like every time he went to the mound, you just had no confidence in him. He had 51 games. He he toiled the most for the Reds out of that deal. He was in 51 games since 2016. He had a 5.79 ERA this year in just 9.1 innings of work this season. They finally DFA'd him, and eventually they ended up trading him uh, just the other day. He was traded to Tampa Bay for a right-handed reliever, Riley O'Brien, but don't expect much out of Riley O'Brien either. So that's what's going on with the Reds this afternoon. Now, as far as the Indians are concerned, we told you where they're at in the American League Central, 21-13, and 13, a tie for first place with the Chicago White Sox, and the White Sox have been playing great baseball. The last 10, though, the Indians uh, were 6-4, and four, but the White Sox, boy, they really turned it on. They're 8-2 and two in the last 10 games that they've played. Minnesota's fallen off the deep end, though. They're 4-6 and six in their last 10, and they have 20 wins against 15 defeats. They're a game and a half behind the Indians in, and the White Sox in the Central Division. Then comes Detroit, just four out there, even Steven at 16 and 16, while Kansas City is 13 and 21, eight games out in the American League Central Division. The Indians are in Kansas City tonight. They were in St. Louis over the weekend, so they're just heading a little bit northwest. And they're in Kansas City tonight. They'll be on for a three-game set against the Royals. They'll be off on Thursday, and then they come home for three games against the Milwaukee Brewers. And keep in mind, folks, that the Indians have never played well against the Milwaukee Brewers. For the last 40 years, the Indians have never played well against the Milwaukee Brewers. And whether or not the Indians probably will not have Quantrill, Hedges, or Naylor. Those are the three players that are expected to be up on the Indian squad. Maybe Joey Cantillo, but probably not. He'll go down to the minor league system. But the three players, Quantrill, Hedges, and Naylor, they probably will not be with the team tonight, but they will be with the team tomorrow night for the second game in Kansas City. So it should be a good one. Let's take a look at the rest of the divisions, though, because there's a lot of things going on and a lot of surprises. In the American League Eastern Division, boy, Tampa Bay, they are three and a half games up right now on the New York Yankees. Three and a half games up at 24 and 11, and they've got the best record in the American League. Outstanding season so far for the Tampa Bay Rays. We said three and a half games in front of the New York Yankees, who are 19 and 13. And boy, do they have injuries abounding for both for them. Then comes Toronto. They're five games back at 18 and 15. Then you've got Baltimore at 15 and 19. And then coming in last place in the American League Eastern Division is Boston at 12 and 22. They're 11 and a half games back of the Tampa Bay Rays. In the West, well, Oakland is continuing their torrid pace. They're 22-12 and 12 and in first place in the West, two and a half games up on the Houston Astros, who have 
picked up a couple of games since last week. They're 19 and 14. Seattle 14 and 22. Then comes Texas 12 and 21. And Joe Madden's Los Angeles Angels are at 12 and 23 on the year and in last place in the Western Division. Over in the National League in the Eastern Division, Atlanta leads it by two and a half games over. The Miami Marlins. Could you have guessed that one? 19 and 14. Atlanta, that's where they're at. Miami, 15 and 15, two and a half games up. Then comes Philly at 14 and 15. They're three games behind the Braves. Five games out, the New York Mets at 15 and 20. And Washington, the defending World Series champs, they're 12 and 19, six games behind the Atlanta Braves. And in the West, well, it's the Dodgers right now leading over the Padres at 26 and 10. They're five games up. On the Padres, but both of those teams have been hot. The Dodgers have won eight of their last ten. San Diego, seven of their last ten. The Padres, 21 and 15 before they made these major moves. They're five games out. Then comes Colorado, eight games out at 17 and 17. San Francisco, 17 and 19. They're nine games out. And Arizona, 14 and 21. They are 11 and a half games behind the first place Los Angeles Dodgers. Now, you want to talk about how important these deals are? Here's how important. Do you remember Branch Rickey? Branch Rickey was the general manager of the Brooklyn Dodgers when Jackie Robinson, he's the man responsible for bringing in Jackie Robinson to Major League Baseball. It was Branch Rickey. Branch Rickey also is an Ohio native. He's a graduate of Ohio Wesleyan University near Columbus, and Branch Rickey is in their Hall of Fame. He's in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Branch Rickey started his career with the Brooklyn Dodgers, moved to L.A. with them, and then left the Dodgers and became the general manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Back in 1958 is when Branch Rickey became the manager, uh, or the general manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, when he became general manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates. He knew of a player down in the minor leagues that the Dodgers had been trying to hide. And he knew about that player because obviously he was the general manager. And the Rule 5 rule, as we want to say, where you can bring somebody in off of the another team's minor league system if they've played so many years in the minors, you just have to keep them on your squad for the entire year and then you get to keep them until they become a free agent. Well, at that point in time, you just had them totally. Well, the Dodgers were trying to hide this talent from everybody. Didn't talk about him, didn't do a lot of uh, publicity about him back then, but Branch Rickey knew about this one right fielder that the Dodgers had in their system. And when he went to Pittsburgh, he wanted this player so bad, he took the shot and took him in the Rule 5 draft, and that player was Roberto Clemente. Clemente ended up winning a World Series with Pittsburgh. He also was a Hall of Famer, outstanding ball player, as you know, died in a plane crash on New Year's Eve in 1973, and Clemente was just one of those players that you just will never, ever forget if you had the opportunity to see him. Outstanding base runner, could hit the baseball. He had 3,000 even hits in his career. And what an arm out in right field. Clemente probably had the best arm of anybody 
from right field to third base that you ever saw in Major League Baseball. But bringing that up, the reason I brought that up is because Branch Rickey is the man that brought Jackie Robinson to Major League Baseball. Of course, this past weekend, everybody wore the number 42 in honor of Jackie Robinson. Normally done in April, around April 15th, because that's when Robinson made his debut in baseball with the Dodgers. But nonetheless, they did it this past weekend, and it was great to see. But it was also heartbreaking, because if you remember the movie about Jackie Robinson, Chadwick Boseman is the man who played Jackie Robinson in the movie. And what an outstanding portrayal he made of Robinson and his major league debut, not only when he played with Montreal in the minor leagues, but then coming up and what he had to go through that first year with the Dodgers playing first base, which was not his normal position. He was a second baseman. He was a second baseman, and they converted him to a first baseman. Now, down the road, he ended up going back to second. But his first year or two in the majors, he did play first base, and he was outstanding. He really worked at it, became outstanding. Now, Bozeman not only played that role of Jackie Robinson, but he also played the role of Thurgood Marshall, but probably the role that he is going to be remembered for probably forever, is in the Marvel movies, King T'Challa and being the Black Panther. Now, he died this past weekend of colon cancer at the age of 43. Nobody knew it. He didn't make a public announcement about his health. He stayed basically quiet about what he had to go through. He married his longtime girlfriend just prior to being, just prior to dying, uh, and that happened on Saturday, but he is going to be sadly missed, not only by the baseball community who had a moment of silence and so did the NBA players, but also the acting community. All of the Avengers, all of the people that were in his movies and everything, they have come out with all of their rest in peace tweets and stuff like that. Uh, he is going to be sadly missed. Another one that passed away today, not about baseball, but still a giant figure, not only physically, but just emotionally in the game of college basketball, John Thompson. Former Georgetown coach, took them to a national championship along with Patrick Ewing. Of course, lost a heartbreaker at, at in a couple of uh, seasons where they probably should have won the national championship, but were upset uh, by North Carolina one time, but they ended up winning the national championship the year before. Patrick Ewing was on that team. Of course, he had so many great ball players for the Hoyas when he was the coach there. Allen Iverson was one of them. Dikembe Mutombo was uh, another, another one that was outstanding. Just so many, and he was so good. For the college game. So good for the college game. He was a, he was a gentle giant. 6'11. And you know where he, you know what his claim to fame was as far as his playing days in the NBA? He was the backup center for Bill Russell and the Boston Celtics and then took the Georgetown job and made them into a national power. So two big names over the weekend passing away. Chadwick Bozeman. And John Thompson. 
and may they rest in peace. Hopefully Blake Watson will be back next week after he has uh, been on assignment this week, and that's going to do it for tonight's program. Thanks a lot for joining us here tonight. Me alone here on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Don't forget the Indians are in Kansas City tonight. The Reds are at home for the first of three games against the St. Louis Cardinals. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. For Blake Watson, I'm Dave Mitchell. Have a good week, everybody.